Live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys. Hi, I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Noor Menninger. This podcast is made in cooperation with the Jewish Journal, www.jewishjournal.com. Usually a Skype call begins with a clamor of several similar, almost identical questions. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? But not on this one. This one started with a series of quiet smiles, followed by all nine people on the call bursting into tears. One end of the call is in New Jersey, the kitchen table of the Katz family. The other end, a remote part of Russia called Sakhalin Island near Japan. In April of 2016, Jess Katz picked up again on a search she'd been conducting for most of her life, a search which she most likely expected the leader to archive documents or in the best case scenario, a photo. She was continuing a cross-generational search for her grandfather's long-lost young brother. Her grandfather never had the fortune of meeting his younger brother after the Holocaust ripped them apart. Unfortunately, neither did Jess. But her search was definitely not to no avail. Jess Katz joins us today to share her incredible, inspiring story. Two Nice Jewish Boys is produced by us on our free time. If you feel like helping us out and donating, go to 2NJB.com slash donate. Any donation is much appreciated. Hey, thanks for having me. How that are you? a really good summary and intro. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Finally, you get the credit <laughs> you deserve. Every time I'm waiting for a compliment, they're all just, just go straight into One the story. One day, maybe we'll put every, all those in a book, you know, and publish it. Yeah. Oh, good idea. Series of other people's short stories. <laughs> um, so let's start, I guess, with... Uh, your grandfather. Tell us a bit about him, okay. where where he was from, and you know how the story began. Sure. So my grandpa was born in 1916. Um, he was a lot older than all of my friends' grandparents. And what even, was his name? His name was Abram or Avram. Katz. Uh, actually, no, Belzitsky originally. Okay. And then he shortened it to Bells after he got to the states. Um, but even when I got older and I met other Holocaust survivors, most of them were kids during the Holocaust. And my grandpa was actually 23, I think, or something oh, like wow. that when the war started. So as I got older, I really identified with it more because I'm, I'm 27 now. So it's, it's kind of hard to imagine. Um, mm-hmm. He was born in a Jewish, actually, it wasn't only Jewish. Um, he was born in a city in Poland called Pietrakov. And he had an older sister named Gittel. And a younger brother, Chaim. Okay. Um, and what did, what did the family do? I know his father was a journalist. Oh, he okay. wrote for Jewish newspapers, like Yiddish newspapers. Uh-huh. So um, it runs in the family. <laughs> maybe, the whole yeah. Investigative. Yeah, maybe bit. that's where I get it from. Okay. And his mom was a housewife, like most women in those days. Uh, I know he said she made a killer chicken soup. Um, I don't know too much, though, honestly. That's about... what you were after the whole time, just that yeah, recipe. God, <laughs> I still can't master the chicken soup, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and he, I, I really don't know much about his life back then. He didn't really speak about the war that much. Mm-hmm. Um, he did enough for us to know, you know, what happened kind of in a little bit of his story. But I don't know, like anything about his sister, really, um, or his parents. You don't know what happened to his... I know what happened, but in terms of what they were like or Uh what his childhood was like, you know, characteristics of who his family was, um, those things 
he just didn't speak about it. I guess it was too hard for him. Yeah. So in 1939, when the war breaks out, very, very shortly after, they get taken to the ghetto. Yeah. So they actually, he was born in Pietrakov, and then they moved to Ludge, which was a bigger city, mm-hmm. not far from Pietrakov. And um, they lived there for 10 years. And then 1939, Germany invaded, and they moved back to Pietrakov to be with my grandpa's mother's father because they were old and I guess she wanted to be with her parents. And they also owned a home in Pietrakov that became a part of the ghetto. So like, I guess when they made the ghetto, certain houses in that area became Mm -hmm. a part of the ghetto. Um, And so they lived something like nine people in a tiny room. They had, I think, divided the grandpa's apartment and other Jewish families had to live with them there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... When did when did your grandfather and his brother actually become separated? 1939. Um, How did that happen? So I don't know the exact month, but I think so. September 1939, Germans invaded. And I think September or October 1939, his brother escaped and got to the Soviet Union. Okay. How did he escape? I that I I still don't know. I do know that his now I know after finding his family that um his brother had told his children that their mom helped him escape the ghetto walls. Mm. But I'm not really sure how. How? Yeah. It must have been terrifying because there's security at the, at those times and the ghetto is closed. It's not just easy. It's not like you could just walk out. Maybe she out. gave the guard some chicken soup and they're like <laughs> eating it. Yeah. No. But it must have been I mean, terrifying. How old was he? How much younger is he than your grandfather? He was two years younger. He was born 1918. So, so 1939 was 20, 21. 21. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. But also when you're 21, you're like young and you, you're strong and you invincible. have all these dreams. Yeah, you're invincible yeah. at 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she wanted my grandpa to go with him, but he he decided to stay with his family to protect them. He was he felt like he was the man, you know, he didn't he had an older sister, but maybe because she was a woman, he felt like he needed to be there to protect them. Uh-huh. Um, so he stayed behind and just his younger brother went. And then what oh. happened? So they know he got there because he had sent a few letters in the beginning. uh, And he told them that he was in a place called Dektiarka, which I still can't find. um, And and that it was near the Black Sea or something like that. And then eventually the letter stopped, like soon after the letter stopped. So they thought maybe he was killed. Mm -hmm. But now probably what happened was the Nazis just stopped letting mail get into the ghetto. Maybe in the early days, they let some letters come in, and then that all changed. And your grandfather in the meantime? Uh, what was he doing in the meantime? During the war, what what happened then? So they were in the ghetto, and then I think 1942, the ghetto was liquidated. And uh, his sister, I skipped a little bit, his sister in 1940 died in the ghetto of tuberculosis. And... His uncle was shot dead. Like he had a few family members who were killed inside the ghetto, and then 1942 they had you know kind of the famous selection where you go to the left, go to the right. So he was told to go to the left, and his parents and grandparents were told to go to the right, and they were all taken to Treblinka and gassed in the gas chambers. Um, and my grandpa was sent to different concentration camps. He was in Auschwitz and he was in Mauthausen, mm-hmm. um, and a couple of others. And so, how did he survive that? Like you knew your grandfather, you talked to him. I knew my grandpa. 
Uh, he started to get Alzheimer's when I was maybe 10 years old. I see. So before I was 10 years old, I really wasn't asking too much. And right. then when I wanted to ask, it was kind of too late. Um, he never forgot the Holocaust, but he would, in fact, because of the Alzheimer's, I don't know if you've known anyone who, who's had, it was more dementia, um, but they tend to, they forget short-term memory. So sometimes he would just randomly talk about the Holocaust and he would say, the Nazis killed my parents and my sister and I lost my brother. And then he'd forget he said it. So he would say it again and again and again. And he would just start crying. Like he was like 90 years old, just sobbing like a young 22 year old guy again. Yeah. Um, but I, by the time I wanted to ask all these questions, it was kind of too late. But uh, uh, I mean, he after after the Holocaust uh, started, or at least at once tried to find uh, his younger brother. Yeah. So when the Holocaust ended, he <clears throat> was taken to Italy to a refugee camp, like a DP camp, and he lived there for five years. He mm -hmm. loved the Italians. He had a really positive experience there. And from the time he got there, so 1945, he started looking for his brother, and he never stopped. He sent mm -hmm. letters to the Red Cross, to Poland, Russia, like different Jewish organizations, different newspapers. He put ads out really all of his life. And then the 1980s, my mom started, you know, you think the younger people are more savvy. And so my mm -hmm. mom started also writing letters because it was the Internet wasn't too big. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that, existent. Uh, yeah. here in Israel in the 50s, we had this thing called Hamador uh, Lechipus Krovim. You know uh -huh. about it? No. So it was um, a radio program and in a section in the newspapers, a daily section and radio program was that was dedicated solely to people who mm. were looking for relatives. Yeah, I, I heard about that. Um, so like it was a whole thing. They would just uh, sit and read names. Yeah, Moshe basically. is looking for his sister, da, 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 who was, uh, if you know anything about her, please contact this phone number. And it was like a, an hour every day. Wow. In the radio yeah. and and the sections in the newspaper, just for that for for years. So it was a very common phenomenon. Yeah, I think they aired it in America too, because I remember my mom saying my grandpa would sit by the radio, also just like listening for names. Right. Um, and he never found him. And my mom also. We have boxes of letters of people saying. Um, he we can't find him actually at one point someone came to our house this i don't remember my mom told me i was too young to remember but they rang our doorbell with someone from the red cross and i said we have news about your grandpa's brother i mean about your father's brother they were speaking to my mom and she was like oh my god oh my god and then they said uh he died and they gave her a letter of a Chaim Belzitsky, but it was Chaim Elias Belzitsky mm -hmm. with a different middle name, mm. and it a different birth year too, and wasn't it wasn't my grandpa's brother? I guess the fact that the Iron Curtain was already drawn, or I don't know, yeah, pulled Lifted. down, ah, pulled down, pulled down, yeah, in the 80s. um that made it difficult for sure, yeah, yeah, definitely, maybe even impossible, um, yeah. What do you mean? Pull, uh, you mean after the the Bef the wall was put up? Yeah, which ah, is okay, basically okay, yeah, right yeah. after the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then up until the nineties, yeah, it was yeah. I guess literally impossible to find a relative. Yeah. in the Soviet Especially Union, especially with with written mail. I mean, oh, back yeah. then, I can't yeah. imagine how anybody would find anybody. But at w at what age did you pick up the search? So and, and like, how, how old are you? Why? I'm twenty seven. So I picked up the search um, 
in April 2016, just a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, but you, you've kind of, like, it's been uh, uh, escorting you kind of your whole life. Yeah, like, from the time I was very, very little, the Holocaust was always, not in a negative way, but it was always kind of a central theme in the way it was brought up, mm -hmm. you know? Like, love Israel because of the Holocaust, or love your family because of what happened to us. So my upbringing was very much that way, and also I was very close with my grandpa, so I always had an interest in him specifically, and my dad's parents were also Holocaust survivors. And I always knew that my mom was searching for my grandpa's brother. That mm -hmm. was something I always knew. I didn't necessarily feel as connected to it as I do now, but mm -hmm. it was always something that, that I was aware of. And, and I watched her. Like, I watched her write the letters. I watched her be passionate, and I love my mom. So I think it's, it was just like a natural thing for me to... to what happened was I, I had to get like a minor surgery and I had to leave work for two weeks and I was really restless and didn't know what to do with myself. And mm -hmm. I, was, I found an old suitcase of my grandpa's and I was looking through it and I found some letters uh, people wrote to him when he first moved to America. It was a family who sponsored him and I was trying to track them down and I actually did, which was cool. I, I called him on the phone and was like, do you remember this guy that lived with you? And she did. That was really awesome to hear. But then my mom was like, instead of wasting your time trying to find people who he knew in America, like, why don't you try to find his brother? So that was how it started. And I was like, mom, come on. Like, what are the chances? I know you want it to be true, but probably he died and you've been searching forever. I don't think mm -hmm. we're going to find anything. I was very, like, resistant, mm -hmm. kind of. And then I, and she's which like. Is, which is natural, I guess. I mean, kind of the hope dies down with the generations. Why? I would because... be like, challenge accepted, mom. <laughs> well, eventually I was. I mean, I did do that. And that, yeah. but I was more, I was like, okay, mom, let's pay someone. I was like, let's just like, I'll find a, a, a professional genealogist who speaks Russian. Like, I don't speak Russian. I don't speak Polish, but I'll find someone and we'll pay them. She goes, okay, we'll pay them anything. Just, just find someone. Uh -huh. And then I started doing research. I love research. I'm like a very a nerd when it comes to research. And I found this list of genealogists. I was on a website called jewishgen.org. Mm -hmm. So anyone who's doing genealogy kind of knows that, Jewish genealogy knows that website. They have a ton of resources. And they had a list of genealogists and only one person on the list specialized in Russia. So I emailed him. And I just said very basics. Uh, my grandpa's brother's name was Chaim Belzitsky. He escaped in 1939 from Pietrakov to russia what can i do to find him we're willing to pay please let me know and i emailed a, maybe a few other people too mm -hmm. um, but this guy got back to me and he he said any by any chance was his father's name edel and was he born in 1918 and he had put a link i click on the link and it was documents in russia from the Red Army that said he served in the Red Army in 1942. And it said where his, he served. His father was named Edel. Edel, yeah, Edel. sorry, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, his father's name was Edel and he was born in 1918. Okay. Um, so I was shocked and we're looking at this document and my call my mom and she's crying. Just the fact that we knew he lived in 1942. We didn't know anything beyond yeah. 1939. It's the biggest breakthrough for yeah. 50 years. yeah. 
And then my mom said, maybe, maybe he had a child, like maybe he had an affair or something and he got someone pregnant. Like we, there could be someone out there even if he didn't survive. So I think still the hope wasn't like we're going to find him and he had his own family. And I think we were still like, okay, maybe he got someone pregnant before he died in 1942 or, you mm-hmm. know, it was very, um, did you say you what were... he did in, in the war, in the, that document? I think it was an artillery unit, something like that, where he would be making weapons. But it was all in Russian, so it was right. kind of hard to, to understand. And then I emailed this guy back and I said, oh my God, this is him. We've never found information like this before. What can we do to move forward? We'll pay you anything. What can we do? And At this point, he sent a picture already? Or it was just uh, no, army documents? Just army documents. Okay. No picture. And he said that he was a simple soldier. He wasn't a commander. And Russia's documents are still closed. And basically, uh-huh. I'll never find him. And he most likely died. And that was it. And he wasn't willing to accept money because he said there's no point in searching. Wow. Yeah. And this guy is a professional. Like, this is what he does. He does genealogy. And, and then I was, was like, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then you flew to Russia. <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> okay. So what, what was the next step? So then I, I took this link and I started looking for different Jewish genealogy Facebook groups. And there are a lot, actually. And they're super active. And I start researching different websites, just anything that had to do with Russian Jewish genealogy. And I find this really old website. It's like the background's green. You know, it's like from the 1980s. And the, Geocities. The, yeah. And the type, when you type, it's blue. I was like, okay, no one's going to ever be on this website. And just to make an account, it was all in Russian. Like I had to use Google Translate just to figure out how to make an account. And I think like that day I probably posted and I don't know, 50 different sites. I didn't remember where I posted. And then the next day I got an email from someone who said, hey, are you checking your posts on the site? Because you have a bunch of responses. And I go, I, I forgot my password. I'm like, oh, God. And I'm like, OK, finally, I get on. And there's tons of responses of people writing in Russian. Um, the, the website was called Shorashim, something like that. So it was all and you about- posted in English. I wrote in English okay. and then I put Translated and then I did Russia. Google Translate. I put uh, English Google and Google Translate, Translate okay. just wow. in case. Okay. And everyone answered me in Russian. Yeah. Um, so I'm Google Translating their answers and people are just trying to figure out what the unit did. And then some people said there was a huge bombing in 1942 in that base. So most likely he died and just like kind of interesting information, but no answers yet. And I went to sleep. And then in the morning, I wake up to another email from a woman who lives actually here in, in Ranana. And she sent me an email in Hebrew. And then she sent me another email in English, just in case I didn't understand what she said. And she said, I think I found your grandpa's brother's son. Please call me. And she put her cell phone number. And I was like, what? Holy shit. Yeah. What are the chances? Very slim. Very slim. Especially on that website. I'm sh- I was shocked. And then from all the places I posted, it was this old, old website. But yeah. So you got to the uh, motherboard <laughs> of the Matrix. <laughs> Wait, but at that point, were you not, I don't know, suspicious? Were you not like, okay, this sounds great, but, or could you just not control? 
your hopes? So I called my mom immediately and she was at work and she was like kind of getting emotional. But then she said that be careful because someone tried to scam us once mm. that years ago when my grandpa was still alive, like way before he had dementia, this guy had answered him saying, hey, I'm your brother. I'm in Russia. Like, I want to come to America. Send me a million dollars, please. Yeah, basically. And, <laughs> yeah. and my grandpa said, okay, let's write him a letter back. So you have, they have to wait weeks to, for the response saying, uh, I'm poor. I don't have any money to give you, but I'm so happy I found, I don't know, something like that. And then he responds with, okay, then at least just send me cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. What a smart Jew, your yeah. grandfather. <laughs> so and then, so my mom said, you got to be careful. There's some people who see an American. They want to take advantage. And we had a copy of my grandpa's brother's birth certificate from Poland. From uh -huh. all the years that they were searching, they got a copy of it. And the documents that I posted didn't have his birth date or his mom's name. So we decided we were going to ask this guy what his father's birth date was, the exact date, and what his mom's name was. And if he got it right, then he had to be the right person. Mm -hmm. So we, I added him there. There's this Facebook in Russia called Classmates. They have like their own Facebook. <laughs> and I make an account. Because they don't have Facebook. No, yeah, they do. They do they have do? Facebook, but yeah, they yeah, use yeah. Classmates more okay. or something. Um, so now I'm on this like Russian social media site making a profile and and my mom gets home from work and all my sisters come home I have three sisters and He logs online. I'm like, oh my god mom. He's online. He's online and we go we like run up to her room and we're sitting on her bed and He sends us a message in Russian saying hi uh, I ha I'm so overwhelmed by emotions. I I don't know what to say but first i'm going to send you a picture of my father do you see any resemblance and he sends us a picture of his dad and my mom screamed and she fell off the bed onto the floor because he really looked almost like the spitting image of my grandfather wow it was crazy and and it was all he was probably middle-aged in that picture so that was also how my mom remembers her dad like when he was in his 40s or 50s and they he really resembled him so And then we asked him those questions and, and he, he got them. Yeah, he so got them right. So at that point you knew this person on the other end, but you're still just reading text messages yeah. from this person. Yeah, it was... And you knew his name already? Yeah, his name is Evgeny. Evgeny. Yeah. It's actually interesting because when I was doing all my research before I got this call from this woman in Renana, I was searching the Russian spelling on Facebook because on the Russian documents we had the Russian spelling. Cyrillic uh, letters. Yeah. And this guy, Evgeny, actually came up in my search. So he had a Facebook page and I tried to add him. And my mom said, oh, my God, he looks just like my brother, like my Uncle Eddie. He looks just like him. And I'm like, no, Mom, he doesn't. Like, again, like, my, come on, Mom. <laughs> and then when when uh, this woman in Renana sent me the profile, it was the same guy that my mom had said looked like her brother. And she was right. She was right. There, There is a resemblance. Mother's instinct. Yeah. So, uh, so okay, so you established that this guy is, in fact, your grandfather's brother's son. So your mother's mm -hmm. first cousin. Yeah. What does he tell you? So in that Sorry. initial, no, no, in that initial conversation, it's just texting. It was like, just like, we're overwhelmed, we're overwhelmed. Okay, we need to speak on Skype. Do you have a translator? And he's like, yeah, I have a friend who speaks perfect English. Let's speak in the morning. We arrange the time. 
and then we wake up the next morning we, we couldn't sleep obviously and we wake up early in the morning and we crowd around the kitchen table just me and my sisters and my mom my dad already had to go to work and Evgeny's there with his daughter his granddaughter and the translator he mm. already has a granddaughter yeah okay he no pressure he's but... 65 years old okay he had one daughter okay who's 43 i think and then the granddaughter is 22 okay yeah and yeah it was just the first moment when they flash on the screen was surreal wow. like my mom crying he's crying it's you don't often see a 65 year old man just cry especially when you don't know him mm -hmm. he was so sensitive he cried a lot like for him they weren't necessarily like they weren't looking for us they didn't know we were out there so imagine you're 65 years old you get this message from this girl in america saying hey i think you're you're my cousin like i i know you're how come uncle. they didn't know so we got the story um on that skype call we talked about a lot of things mm -hmm. you know what do you say to someone who you you need to tell your whole life story to and i think we spoke for three hours on skype and we told them our story, you know, what happened to my grandpa and we've been searching for you. We show them on Skype the boxes of letters and he was really overwhelmed by that. So his father, my grandpa's brother, had a very different experience than my grandpa did. Um, he he fled to Russia. I, we know he was in the Red Army. He didn't talk. He talked even less about the war than my grandpa did. He mm. didn't tell his kids almost anything. He just told them he was a Jew from Poland. He was in a ghetto. His mother helped him escape and his whole family was killed. I mean, I can't imagine what you live with when, yeah. when you, I mean, obviously uh, there's no blame or anything, but I'm saying I can't imagine from his perspective yeah. what he lived with thinking that he ran away and his family left was left behind and, and all got yeah. murdered. Also, it kind of reminds me that experiment in which two twins, one is sent to Mars or to the moon and the second remains on earth and then after a few years you see where like what what happened to each of them you know yeah it's a little bit like that like they were sent to completely two different lives and yeah yeah it's it's similar i think he had a lot of guilt mm -hmm. like and he was only 21 it's so young to make such a big decision and and I don't know if he was expecting his family to die in 1939. I don't know how much they knew in 1939 about mm -hmm. what was to come. So, yeah, he, he really didn't speak about, like, Evgeny didn't know my grandpa existed. He didn't know his name. He just, he told his kids that he had siblings who were killed and that was it. He never said, I, have a, I had a brother and a sister, nothing. He, did he tell them he was uh, Jewish? He told them he was Jewish. And Evgeny was the, not the only child. No, he had, uh, my grandpa's brother actually had four children. Mm -hmm. One was a daughter who died when she was only 12 years old, which oh, is okay. also just horrific to think. It was yeah. his first child. And then he had three sons. Um, one of the sons passed away in the 90s, I think. Uh -huh. And then there was Evgeny. And then Evgeny has a brother who they're not in such good connection with, but we've we've connected on Facebook. And his mother has passed away as well. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that also is, is uh, I mean, I guess from for, for him, very emotional because he's basically all alone yeah. in the world. Yeah. So yeah the, I mean, like besides for the family that he kind of mm -hmm. brought and so all and of a sudden to find out he has all this extended family. And the fact that the brother of your grandfather basically 
decided to delete and erase the past completely. Yeah. He said that he lived with a lot of fear his whole life. So in the Soviet Union, it was very dangerous to be a Jew. After he got out of the army, he fell in love with a Russian woman. Um, It sounds like they had a really good relationship with each other. They're very much in love. And then they moved to Sakhalin Island, which is next to Japan. It's far, far, far East Russia. I think he wanted to get away as far away from Europe as he possibly could. Um, In the beginning, he had tried to go to Poland to search for his family. And the Soviet Union didn't approve his request. They wouldn't let him go. And then he tried to go to Israel years later. And they said, you have a better chance of getting to the moon actually then going to Israel. Yeah. So he did try to to find his family. Um, he kept, in Russia, your middle name is your father's name. So he, and they put like an itch at the end. So mm-hmm. it was, he was Idalevich. And he tried, he had to join the Communist Party or something. You, you had to do it back in those days. There was a lot of pressure and they wouldn't let him join because he was a Jew. So he got rid of the Idalevich. And he changed his name to Nikolai also, which is one of the reasons why we never found him. Mm -hmm. And then years later, one of his sons tried to get a visa and they said, no, you're a Jew. Um, So he he just like slowly had to remove his Jewish identity. And Mm -hmm. and he told us a great part of Russian Jews. Yeah. And his kids weren't raised Jewish at all. So again, like Evgeny, a 65 year old man all of a sudden rediscovering his Jewish roots. And he he didn't even know he could move to Israel. Like we said to him, you know, you can make Aliyah if you wanted to. He never heard of Aliyah before. He had no idea. Um, and he lives now in Sakhalina Sakhalin. Island. I mean, I had never heard of this place. It's basically Japan. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you can see Japan, I think, from the sea. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's very close to Japan. But I I guess it's pretty different also. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'm saying it's basically because it's like, you think Russia and like most people forget about Siberia. They're just like, they're just like, ah, Moscow. Right. But this is like the other side of the world. Yeah, yeah, Totally other side of the world. When they flew his daughter and granddaughter. So we we found them in April. It was the week before Yom HaShoah. And his daughter and granddaughter came to live with us for the summer in New Jersey. Wait, April what year? 2016. Okay. So in June through August 2016, Anya, his granddaughter, and Yulia, his daughter, came and literally lived with us. They didn't have a visa. We helped them get a visa to go to the States. They had never been to America before. Wow. And they lived with us for two, two and a half months. Wow. Yeah. How was it? It was amazing. People thought we were crazy. They're like, what? You just found these people? Like, they're strangers. And my mom was like, we've been searching for them my whole life. Like, of course, we're opening our home to them. And we just clicked. It was crazy. We we don't speak the same language, different religion, diff- completely different culture. They knew English? No. Uh, the granddaughter, Anya, she speaks actually really good English. Okay. But Yulia doesn't speak any English. Right. Genny doesn't speak any English. So Anya was a translator. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just we clicked as a family it was the most natural thing that i've ever experienced that's amazing and and you guys met in in israel yeah so they yeah so then in october i made aliyah and my family flew here with me and evgeny flew here with his wife and his wife's son from Uh another marriage and we met evgeny for the first time 
So we're standing in Ben Gurion Airport and my mom, you know, we're waiting impatiently for him and he starts walking out. And, you know, they say like, you're not allowed to run in the center. You have to wait. But like my mom ran to the center and they both of them just started sobbing oh like God. crazy. Yeah, it was amazing. That's an emotional story. But um, you're planning on writing a book. As yes. that, I mean, that's how I discovered uh, you, like this. I, mm -hmm. I saw your post on Facebook. I don't know if Secret you're planning on going. Yeah, right. on Secret Secret Aviv, yeah, I don't know if you're planning on going through with it, but that's the post I saw. So you're planning on writing a, a novel? Yeah, so I'm writing a novel. Right now I'm doing a lot of research. I'm meeting with different professors, trying to answer these unanswered questions of how did people escape back then and what was life like in the Soviet Union and... Um, but yeah, I'm writing a novel. Not so, so it's not going to be nonfiction. It won't be nonfiction. Okay, um, but it'll be based on these it, stories. Yeah, it will be as nonfiction as possible. Uh, everything I know will be in the book. Everything I, I don't will know will be as nonfiction as possible. Yeah. So the reason why I want it to be a novel is because, like I said, I I don't know anything about his sister, right? But I want to paint her as a character. I want people to fall in love with her. So I have to actually sit here and imagine what who was his sister. So because I have so many unanswered questions, like I have to write about how Chaim escaped to Russia, but I don't have those answers. Mm -hmm. So I need to write it in a way that it will be sort of fiction because. I don't have the real stories, mm -hmm. but everything I do know will be in the book. So it's kind of like nonfiction fiction. Based on a true story. Based on a true story, yeah. Okay, that's that's fascinating. I mean, Thank I you. can't... When is it due? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't know. I just started three weeks ago. Okay. I, uh, so two, was two three weeks. What, what was the post then? The post was trying... You were looking to get a writing group together or something. Exactly. So I love writing. I've always uh, written. I write for the Huffington Post and different like short articles. I do content marketing also. But I've never written a novel. And I think it's very different. I have no idea how to write 300 pages and how to structure it. So I, I was thinking of finding a group here. I actually didn't get too many responses. So if anyone's listening yeah. and wants to meet me let me know i'm looking at Aton <laughs> peculiarly no 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 why are you writing a novel uh really <laughs> <laughs> I, I i was Big at one point in my life but uh i've i've uh, shelved it for the moment why <laughs> wow I, this is it. The tables have turned <laughs> uh why because it's fucking uh, tough. Wow, to I would write hate to be a guest on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> being like, a guest why, on a podcast why, 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 sucks. Why, why, why? <laughs> why am I? Why did I shove it? That's a that's a good question. It's it's tough. It really is tough yeah. to to. There's a lot of research. I I, I mean I I can't like pretend to give you advice as if I am someone who you know is well versed in the novel writing, <laughs> but um. But if I would have to say something, it's, it's, it's do research, but try not to lose yourself in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really I can hard. relate from the movie making point of view. Like the most ad addictive part in creating fiction is the research. And yeah. you can easily find yourself doing it literally forever, yeah. like for years. And you have to like at some point decide, decide up ahead how long are you going to do it. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, draw, draw the line because... There's no limit to research. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I also, I want to fly to Russia and I want to fly to Poland and go to Italy. So you Italy. haven't been to Poland? I haven't been to Poland, no. I'm kind of, I never wanted to go to Poland until I decided to write the book. Right. 
Um, my grandpa hated Poland, as you can imagine. Yeah. And uh, because of that, I was kind of like, he, he used to say, I'm not Polish, I'm Jewish. He really, really hated Poland. Yeah. But now I feel like I really want to see the house he grew up in just to look at it and, and it would be really hard. Like this research is really overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. How did your grandfather end up in the States and not here? <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted to come here eventually. Uh, he was in Italy and most Jews were going to Israel. I actually have a letter that the Haganah wrote to him recruiting him to go to Israel. It's like a... It's an actual letter in my house, which is cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, so he was planning to go to Israel, and then they, they had an opportunity for some people to go to America, and you had to apply. And he applied as a joke. It's not really funny to me, but he wrote this <laughs> He wrote this down, and he, he wrote like a thing for Steven Spielberg. It was a joke with my friends. He applied to go to America. I guess it was really hard to be accepted, and he got accepted, and he had to sell his bike. I really don't know why. I mean, he had to sell all this stuff that he was planning to bring with him to Israel. And he went to America. Like, he was planning to come here. But by wow. chance, he went to the States. And a family in Minnesota sponsored him. And he started working. Um, wow. He got to the States in 1950. Yeah. So t tell, us, tell us a little bit about you. Like, how did you end up in Israel? What do you do? So I moved here a year and a half ago uh -huh. and I came here to get my master's degree in conflict resolution. I thought I wanted to be a professor in conflict resolution. And then when I studied it, I realized it was the last thing I wanted to do is study the conflict here. I don't know because why. Because it's but unresolvable, it maybe? Unresolvable, <laughs> frustrating, just the whole thing. Yeah. I worked in New York for two years before that and did the whole business thing and was like, I want to go back to school. And so, and I always loved it here. I have a lot, I have family here. Actually, it's, it's kind of part of the story, but my grandpa, when he was back in Poland, he had a first cousin named Yaakov mm -hmm. and Yaakov's parents died before the war started. So my grandpa's mother, it was, I think it was my grandpa's mother's sister who died. So she took him in and raised him as her own kid when he was just a child. So they actually grew up in the house four kids instead of just my grandpa, his brother, and his sister. He also grew up with his cousin, Yaakov. And in 1967, he found out Yaakov survived a war. So our whole life, it was just my grandpa and his cousin, Yaakov, who survived, and they had no idea the brother was also alive. But because of that, I have 35 cousins here, and we're very close to each other. Like oh, we're wow. third cousins, but since I was born, we Skyped. Like, I have memories of being a kid it's and a big WhatsApp with my group. cousins. Yeah. Well, I can we only do. Imagine we have a big WhatsApp group. Yeah. If you were that connected uh -huh. to someone you'd never met in Sakhalina or mm -hmm. Sakhalin Island, then you're probably very close to the, the family you know exists. Yeah. Um, all right. So, if you guys know someone who lives in Tel Aviv and mm -hmm. wants to join the writing group, mm hmm then you should con contact Jess. Yeah, I and love that. Are you on social media? Yeah, I'm on social media. Maybe you can put my link in the Sure. We'll, in put, the we'll put your link. Maybe we'll link to some articles. Guys, also check out her articles on Huffington Post. Thank and, you. In different <laughs> places. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you for um, coming. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Thanks. Awesome. Before we go, though, we do have a collaboration with uh, the Jewish Journal. Okay. Um, so the Jewish Journal is like a Jewish news source, but also just regular 
old good old american news <laughs> um jewishjournal.com so check them out and uh of course of course we accept donations since we do do this on our free time uh-huh. if you feel like uh helping us out and put your hand in your pocket then go to 2njb.com slash donate and any sum would be much appreciated like all your money yeah <laughs> Just no, give us all just your money. 50, like, like Bill Gates, you know, just 50% of your fortune <laughs> is enough for us. I think he did 60. I think it was 60. <laughs> I don't think we're going to accept less than 60. <laughs> just thank you so much for coming. Thank and good you. Luck. Thank you for having me.